Welcome to another episode of Wild Plunges Podcast with me, Kim Christie. This is podcast 10 in the series, We Remember the Relay 2021. The Relay is raising funds for the Laura Hyde Foundation. And our guest today is Liam Barnes, who's going to share with us how they've become one of the most forward-thinking charities, some of their initiatives, and how the money raised will support frontline workers across Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and the British Isles. Welcome, Liam. Firstly, can you let the listeners know, how did Laura Hyde Foundation come about? Sure. Well, it's it's a, a foundation that's been created very much in tragedy, unfortunately. Obviously, the Laura Hyde Foundation is named after an individual. That individual was my cousin, um, very much like a little sister to me, uh, both only children. And unfortunately, on the 4th of August 2016, she took her own life. Laura was a, a Royal Naval nurse down in Dereford, kind of the perfect nurse, really, very selfless, always putting her others' needs in front of herself. But the, the pressures of the job, personal relationship breakup, and, and really just the fear of, of letting others down uh, caused us to go on that particular path. So back in uh, 2018, as a family, we wanted to make sure that other people like Laura didn't go through what she went through, but also that the surrounding friends and family also had the relevant support and, and, and mitigation against these types of circumstances. So we very much focused our, our attention on the Southwest, given that's where Laura's locality was. Um, a lot of people were still reeling from that suicide. Dereford itself had had five nursing suicides in just three years. So we knew that something was needed to be done down there. And we wanted, you know, we had a, a great endeavour to do that. But and then it's really just exploded uh, into a truly national uh, organisation that's now probably the largest in the UK of what it does. Yeah, I mean, you are very in your infancy, aren't you, in some ways, but because of the support that you're offering and the quality, how yeah. are you managing that? Just about. <laughs> it's very uh, it's very intense in terms of the demand sometimes, but also incredibly fulfilling, as you, I'm sure you can appreciate when you actually are recovering people. But I mean, COVID is uh, a certainly increased demand um, on our support services. I think it's a particularly tough time. You have exploded. I think, though, it's important to note that a lot of the audiences that we cover, whether it's police, fire, nurses, doctors, healthcare assistants, you name it, paramedics even. A lot of these people are actually trained to deal with these types of situations. That's what they kind of want to go into the job for, but, and the fear of failure as well, whether it be down to bullying, whether it be down to letting their colleagues down, letting family down, that they really own. There are external pressures such as lack of resources, work-life balance, and certainly in the nursing and doctors community, they're trained to identify mental health issues in other in members of the public. So they're very well uh, skilled in terms of hiding those typical symptoms for discovery from other else. So it becomes a very, very complex situation. So we um, we have seen a significant rise, over 500% in demand on our service, uh, uh, which offers counselling, therapies and, and more coaching type capabilities um, since the start of the pandemic in just one year, which is obviously an incredible rise. Clearly, we've been able to provide funding to extend that. And now we offer up to over 20,000 hours each and every month, completely free of charge to anybody that requires it. But that number is, is, is continuing to grow in terms of that demand. So we do need to find more hours. We need to find more ways of being able to provide support to people in different means. We need to find different audiences. And by that, I mean different communities, maybe. We know that BAME communities are 44% less likely to take up uh, support services. And we need to break down those barriers of stigma of that take up. So the, the kind of funding and focus that we're doing at the moment, our support service is very much around bigger, better, more inclusive and, and more sophisticated um, uh, therapies as well. I know that you've got this quite unique way of building the charity, haven't you, in that you have this quality 
element that goes all the way through. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Definitely. And I think um, it's something that we're extremely proud of and, and, a, and it's a principle that we'll never compromise, quite honestly. Uh, there are many, many support services out there, probably to start this off. So if we take the Samaritans, for example, everyone's heard of them. They're a fantastic organisation that save lives every single day. But by that, I mean uh, a lovely lady called Barbara, for example, who volunteers six hours of her, her week to go and listen to people and help them through their situations. Incredible gesture, by the way. However, they are a listening service. Is 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 there to really just listen and be there for somebody when they feel that they're on their own. But they're not qualified to deal with the complexities of the trauma that a lot of the audience we want to support um, uh, experience. It's incredibly important that clinical supervision and mental health practitioners that are fully qualified and fully insured deal with those types of situations because it can be dangerous if we don't deal with it correctly. So all of our support services is staffed solely by fully qualified and insured mental health practitioners. And to give you an idea of kind of the scale of that quality. When we launched the support service, we've had over 10,000 people volunteer to be on that support service, which is incredible. But only 900 have made it from our advanced screening process. And it's very much quality over quantity for us. It's about delivering the best in class support for individuals that deliver the best in class support for our public. And that will always be the case as part of the Law High Foundation. And that quality is continuing as you grow, isn't it? Because you're very keen on that. Yeah, we would, we would, uh, we always need to deliver it uh, and grow as scale. But with, when we do that, we certainly don't need to compromise any of the principles that we do. So as we grow over 20,000 hours, it will be with the principles of clinical oversight, evidence-based treatment and staffing that is fully relevant to do the job that's in, in, in terms of them. That, com, uh, that principle will never be compromised where uh, the relevant wider trustees are considered. You said before, you've, you've started down south and you've expanded already can you tell us the areas you're already working in because i know that they are much wider now aren't they yeah they are They're, i mean essentially we are truly uk wide now we've provided support in each of the regions within the uh, within england we cover the outer hebrides and, and mainland scotland we cover northern ireland we cover the entire area of wales to the point now where we cover 98 percent of all the uk's public and private hospitals in terms of that support so by that, I mean, we've either provided free clinical consultancy with wellbeing programs within hospital trusts. We have either provided over 100 hours of support service to individuals within those uh, establishments as well, or we've provided funding of over £500 to an initiative that they want to do themselves because they can't get the funding anywhere else. So 98% of the UK's hospitals have been covered. Uh, every single day, we send out our care packages to all four corners of the UK as well. For anybody that sits in the UK, um, that sits within the audience is eligible for the support as well. What I would say is that we do need to do more, certainly in the police and fire communities. That is probably not at the level that I, I want it to be, but we certainly want it in our medical space, paramedics, uh, nurses, doctors, healthcare assistants, midwives, and even medical students at the moment. We are in that, uh, we are in that truly national. And the, the importance of this is that agency staff as well, is that correct? They can access the service. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, our principle is that anybody that cares for others should be eligible for the care of them. So in a uh, NHS um, organisation, you have your full-time employees that are typically part of uh, pension schemes and your employee referral schemes and everything else. Those people are eligible for the NHS support services. But there are people that fall through the cracks, janitors, cleaners, people that are agency staff that go from hospital to hospital and trust to trust. There are um, uh, community care nurses and palliative care nurses, so people that work for the uh, Click Sergeant charity, for example, that deliver amazing work. Nurses that 
deliver amazing work for um, young people with cancer, so leukemia and everything else. These people are not employed by the NHS despite working in the hospital and they are not eligible for any of these support services. So we step up in their time of need and we make our support services to anybody that sits within that particular realm uh, and we will always continue to do so. I know that you did a great initiative in regards to student nurses. Can you explain a little bit about that and how you're going to expand that with the money that obviously we hopefully will raise through the We Remember the Relay? Sure. Well, COVID has obviously um, accelerated probably a lot of people's exposure to the front line. Um, second, third year students are now going out into the hospitals and stepping up to deal with the demand pandemic. And they've, they've definitely been exposed way beyond their means. And that could be quite a scary, intimidating and overwhelming experience. So we've always believed that the future medical generation should be uh, armed with techniques, uh, awareness, uh, removal of stigma when they go into the job. One of the things that we've been able to achieve over the past 18 months is the formation of a resilience module that all medical students at 19 other universities are eligible for. So we build that in within their kind of prospectus, if you will. That needs truly national expansion. Every medical student that goes into them um, with their eyes open into that type of community needs to make sure that welfare and uh, of themselves and also their colleagues is a priority for them to avoid burnout, avoid exhaustion, avoid stress and and being overwhelmed. So that is going to, we're going to be working with all of the kind of um, major universities to include that in their perspectives from uh, 2021 to 2022 onwards. However, as you can imagine, there's lots of work to kind of make sure that that is in place, that the right level of quality is provided on that and actually we measure the effectiveness of that module so we continuously improve it as we as we the years go by and that's obviously one strand of how you're going to promote and make everyone aware about this service what other strategies are you using so that everybody across the whole area is aware of this service and knows they can access it so i think um one of the our key strengths is is awareness um certainly part of the uh, the, the acceleration of the take up of our support service has been some of our campaigns like No Mass for Mental Health, um, which was a significant campaign that has been you know, truly international, actually, in terms of its exposure, really playing on um, emotion, clear messaging and, and really just powerful imagery to get people's attention focused. We are going to be launching a, a new This is an Emergency campaign in 2021, which really focuses on suicide, unfortunately, across paramedics, all of our medical stu- um, students, our medical personnel and police. Really, there's some shocking statistics out there compared to 81 that have died on active duty. So it's over double the amount that have passed and 40 on, on active duty, which is just a shocking statistic. 159 police officers that are committing suicide over the past three years, 312 nurses committing suicide in a five-year period, 79 paramedics committing suicide in a four-year period. I could go on and on and on. So we have to make sure that the topic is put at the forefront of the, only the public, but also the people that we want support, because we have absolutely gives us a mechanism to signpost to all of the wide support services that we can offer either from ourselves or within our partner network that, that, that deliver the gaps when we don't have, actually have the capability to do so. Obviously there's been a lot of research but there hasn't been enough research on this area so what research have you been looking into and are you looking at any sort of initiatives around research so that we make sure that we're getting the services to the right people at the right time? Absolutely, we are. 2021 uh, will be a real focus point for us to deliver best-in-class research. And I think it's probably best uh, shown by our role on the Nurse and Midwife Suicide Prevention Group, which is a truly national uh, chair. It's been commissioned by the NHS. We co-chair it with the Chief Nurse of England and Wales and Scotland. There are no statistics out there for midwives at all about how many people have 
uh, you know, taking their own life or suffer with mental health issues, where actually when you're looking at statistics, so one of the key things that we're looking to do is, is twofold. One is to develop research into the root causes of roles, geographical locations, and really any other external factors like income, household, makeup, things like that, that contribute maybe to some of the people going down what I call the mental health the mental health funnel, you know, down, down to the kind of real severe areas. That has to be bobbled up because that allows people to, to understand the reasons of why people get that to that level. And so we can put proactive measures in place to avoid that happening on a repeatable basis. So that's why research um, is so important. It also um, allows us to really explore and use techniques from the, pub, uh, the private sector into the public sector as well. Corporate social responsibility departments, the kind of well-being programs that you see in the big conglomerates absolutely need to be made available to our public sector workers. And if you consider that the NHS is the largest employer in the UK, it seems crazy that, that they don't have the same standard or are leading in that standard. One of our key initiatives that we announced for 2021 is also data, which kind of links very closely with research. We are going to be trialling uh, the use of smartwatches for staff on those particular areas that will uh, monitor stress levels throughout the day, at heart rates, things like that, so that we can build that out into a reporting capability that allows managers to monitor their staff on a proactive basis rather than reactive. Um, it's too late. So bubbling that up and making sure that people have access to it, kind of can learn the lessons from it, that even the, uh, the media can, can start to generate positive and both negative stories around that data as well, create the synergy and sto uh, storytelling behind it. It's incredibly important to remove the stigma and keep the conversation going. Now, another initiative that you're working with is Jock from the horse riding. Correct, yes, we're looking forward to it. Can you tell us a little bit more what that initiative is and how you're going to roll it out across obviously all the areas sure so we're going to be again it's one of our kind of um trial initiatives really we definitely believe that there are alternate therapies such as art therapy pet therapy that can deliver really significant results in terms of the well-being of, of staff and jocks uh, horseback uk uh, provide horse therapy uh, very well um, uh, documented results from uh, dealing with uh, ptsd uh, war veterans so we believe there's lots of benefit from the military space that can be applied to our frontline um, emergency services. So the initiative is to really cover NHS Grampian and a, and a little bit wider beyond in Scotland on a six month course, which will effectively be a pilot to deliver results on the back of that to say, this is something that we should be investing in further and working with NHS management to make sure it's part of the the options as part of a well-being programme. That will kind of uh, roll out across a six-month period starting in April. The Laura High Foundation are going to fund that along uh, to allow Horseback U UK's expertise to deliver that capability. Should the results come back as we expect them to be, we'll then start working with NHS management to give this as a viable option with tangible case studies that will help the adoption on a, on a truly national scale. So can you share with us some good news stories? Because obviously you've been working with a lot of people over a period that you've been a charity. Uh, what results have you got? I think it's a really good point to focus on the good news. Um, sometimes it's all too um, important to look at, you know, the doom and gloom that surrounds mental health issues, right? It's part of our, our own thesis that we want to remove the stigma associated with it. I mean, it's actually probably the proudest part of me as, uh, as uh, and, and the rest of the trustees as an organisation of what results we have been able to turn. I mean, we've had some statistics about uh, from our support service about how many people are considered acute. And by that, I mean people that are really at the brink. 
people that are in fear of their own life or someone else's life based on their well-being state. And we've been able to turn people effectively back from the brink, put them into a rehabilitation program to then become integrated and far more resilient to, to prevent that happening in the future. Just uh, this week, we uh, spoke to a paramedic that had uh, had a personal tragedy, lost his grandmother, um, was effectively uh, the mother figure in his life, um, had regrets. Uh, the job was too demanding at this moment in time to actually spend uh, his, the last minutes with his grandmother. And he took that personally and thought that he'd let the entire family down and her down in terms of choosing his career over um, uh, the, the personal family life. Actually rationalising that and knowing that you have been able to be a diligent grandson, being able to spend the good times with them and, and kind of make sure that you are able to focus on that positive is just one of the deconstruction techniques of that kind of very severe state. Now, uh, I want to make sure that um, that remains firmly just a short-term approach. So I think we put them on a six uh, course. Uh, six. But it, what, what we lost in touch with the way that we support people is that they tend to become advocates. They start to believe in the hype. If you start to believe in actually, this support service can actually change things for the better. And I always quote an example, which so based on the uh, 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 loss of a nurse in the same last year, 27-year-old nurse called Katie Reynolds. Um, she committed to lots of personal emotion for me, rep uh, um, uh, replicating Laura's story. Family, and tried to take them through the process based on experience. But uh, Katie's mother, also a community nurse, naturally struggled with the loss of her daughter, like anyone would do. A truly heartbreaking story. Things that, based on the work to provide to the family in the in the in the post weeks after closure of our support service, and Tracy herself went on the course. She was support sessions. She had the classic uh, items of I don't want to trouble anybody. I'm probably wasting people's time. I'll get over it. Don't worry about me. But continuously recycling back to some of the conditions and the symptoms that we see. She gave it a chance. She did it. She uh, was able to commit to four free of charge and was able to, to use some of those techniques to create better resilience. She'll never get the loss of a daughter. Of course she won't, because no one ever should. But I've been able to have our truly inspiring advocates, raising thousands of pounds for us and our cause to expand our services, but also to, to bring others that are struggling with that within our own NHS and actually get people on that road to recovery. So to answer your it's very um, rehabilitation to help other people. And that's really how the messaging across. It's, it's, you can create the biggest campaign, the best uh, relationship with the NHS or the police force or the fire service. Only when people truly experience it and hear it word of mouth will you really have the impact. And I'm proud that when we say we're going to do, do it and we do it to the right quality that will have life-changing positive impacts. And that will always... And we know with our, our dealing with this day in and day out, and this has always been the case scenario, but since COVID came, seen a massive increase, haven't you? There are some statistics around that for you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, March 2020, we've seen over a 524% rise of requests to our support service, which obviously is a significant rise. Um, I think COVID, if you talk about NHS workers, right, set up to deal with a pandemic, if you think about what happened in the late 80s and 90s with AIDS, very unknown, very infectious, fear of that. If those guys are able to um, uh, focus and have the resources 
to, uh, to, to deal with that pandemic, you won't see the level of issues that are coming out of that. Into segregation in the household. So if you come uh, as an offer a 16-hour shift as a nurse and you're in, you come home pretty just physically and mentally after dealing with that shift, but you're unable to hug your son before he goes to bed saying he's missed his mother or you're able to share the bed with your partner, you take that person and you start to, you are impacting all of your families from the life choices that you have made and you take it personally. The doubt starts to come in. No bones about it. Any of our emergencies don't do the job for the money. They do it because they want to make a difference. They feel that that's being compromised in any way, shape or form. They take it personally and they start to hide those. They start with that. They start to feel that they are um, not good at their job if they start raising this. So all COVID is except that, that segregation, that fear of that fear of um, family impacts, the, 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 the kind of work life, it's really started to challenge what they're doing, which then brings on those real personal challenges to deconstruct that rational habit. In regards to when we raise the funds for them, exactly where the funds are going, and how they're going to be spread across because obviously it's important to remember that after the epidemic what we're going to have is a period of time that this will continue for the frontline workers it's not just going to stop this we're talking a number of months years and therefore it's about raising as much as we possibly can to support the service in offering the quality that you've set that standard at making sure that it goes across the of the areas um so the objectives of about how we're going to spend the money. Have you been working with him? Um, I think he's, he, he drives enthusiasm, as does his team, about um, being able to make a difference, which is, is part of the reason I'm so proud to partner with We Remember Them and, and, and make sure Laura Hyde Foundation is part of this. I think um, an interesting point you just read is at, you're absolutely 100% right. People talk about a pandemic and they talk about COVID. However, make, make about it, we are in a mental health pandemic for our frontline emergency services. Most people right now, just keeping their head above the water and dealing with the demand they haven't had time to process it yet and when they do there will be next that we will need for to support them so you're absolutely right that we will have to continue investing in our support service to create more availability more alternate therapies and more quality on the work that we do instead of funds being provided i'm particularly proud as an organization that every single penny that's raised from any supporter including we remember them goes directly back to helping frontline services so all of our admin overheads all of the website hosting and all of that stuff comes from private donations from the trustees themselves so every single penny that's raised effectively sweated to the best degree to go and directly impact people so we have a clear plan with simon based on on some of the initiatives we want to do how that money will be directed we have a, a what i would call a business uh, sorry a benefits realization and to invest monitor proof but that money is helping people so we can start to create case studies that would we remember them on how that money has really helped make a difference because that will prove that the investment into what we want to do will continue to help people and lives effectively so as any charity transparency we we plan to to showcase this and celebrate some of the great work that we remember them and allow the laura hyde foundation to do just take a quick pause um, covering the Midlands area and I've been amazed how passionate people have been about We Remember Them and the relationship with Laura High Foundation as well and also not only between the coordinators people who are wanting to join the event and what I love about We Remember Them as well 
the relay itself is so diverse as well. So it can be anything from walking to climbing to someone sitting virtually on a bike at home because they know they're not going to be able to come out. Um, so it's just a that's building and it, it feels like a massive snowball that Simon started and it's rolling. So I know from to be working really, really closely with you, we're excited to be doing the event and organise it and also raising as much funds as we possibly can. Absolutely. I, I think it's, it's been extraordinary, the size of it so far. Uh, and, and as you say, it's continuing to gather, gather momentum. I think one of the things, regardless of the money that's raised, regardless of um, like the power is run and everything else, one of the, the big things here is the creation of um, And actually, bringing, it's been a pretty rubbish 12 months, right? Uh, and actually having something to work towards. That diversity is incredibly important. There are uh, members of the, the audience that we support, doctors, nurses, who are so enthusiastic in signing up and, and are registering their interest. As We, um, we know that um, and if I'm tempted to running shoes out and actually do something, then we know we're onto a good thing because it takes a lot, believe me. Um, but I'm working with Be Remembered, and I think it's been a, a, you know, a hugely well-organised, uh, event so far, the passion behind it in terms of the individuals that are driving it forward. And, you know, it, it's it's something quite overwhelming, actually, in terms of how much work is going into it. And I think, you know, I want to take the, the, the opportunity to thank everybody involved so far. I've been so, so impressed both with the dedication and the quality of the work that's coming out. And really just championing our cause. I know that there have been Facebook posts that have been shared have then caused people to contact. So whilst we might be able to, and yes, we might be able to expand the services, and yes, we might be able to reach people. Make, um, be very proud that just by spreading awareness of who we are, you are starting with people. And, and that's something that you should all be proud of. It's, believe me, it's, it's needed more than ever. And, um, and hopefully with the great work that you guys will generate, we'll be able to just, you know, from strength to strength and, and, and really help save lives. So for our listeners, partake or get some more information on We Remember Them or also Laura High Foundation. You can look on our Facebook page, which is Remember Them 2021. We're also building a website, uh, merchandise, and it's also got a gorgeous map uh, that's got all these flags on it and they're increasing on a daily basis, uh, which will tell you all the activities that are happening all the way across Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and also our little islands as well. Um, and it's about how you want to partake and also if you want to gift. And so please hook on to either our Facebook page and follow us or wait for the website, which will be up and running by the end of this month, February. Liam, it's been a pleasure to speak with you again. Thanks ever so much for your time. Um, I hope that we can come back and podcast as the event is running. And obviously we're looking at getting the pathway down to Plymouth, which will be the end destination, which is very significant for you. Um, and hopefully we can and see how things are going. Definitely, really looking forward to be cheering every uh, uh, all of the participants that are going to be registering for the event. Uh, and yeah, really, really happy with things are going and 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 the excitement of what this is going to transform lives. So thank you again. Um, hopefully Boris doesn't put a problem in it, but we will uh, we will all have our fingers and toes crossed that it can be truly something to look forward to at the end of what's been a, a, a like I say a bit of a rubbish period. Yeah, and what we will do is obviously, as as things and tears, it will be looking at virtual events and things like that. So hopefully there'll be lots going on. There are plans in place. So this space. 
I would say as well is just to, if to find out more about what Laura High Foundation do or have any suggestions about how we can help people or simply just want to know how they can support us on, on, on many different initiatives, feel free to visit the website, you can contact us forms. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, one of the team will get in, uh, pick up your message and, and do what needs to happen. And But we're always more than welcome to meet new friends and, 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 and build our kind of... Yeah, speak soon. Yes. Thanks, Liam.